the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I see my name in shiny lights, yeah, a different city every night, oh, I, I swear, the world better prepare for when I'm a billionaire. It's time to get down to business on the weekend's number one business program. Known as the king of networking, your host, Shalom Klein, has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and created countless jobs. So, to success, let's get down to business. And indeed, we're all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business on my website at shalomklein.com. And while you're there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Shalom Klein. It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information you will not want to miss. Let's jump right in. Thrilled to be uh, joined by our neighbor to the north, and that is Dr. Alan Patterson, who is an organizational development consultant specializing in executive and leadership development. I know Alan has worked with hundreds of clients for over four decades, including the Federal Reserve Bank, Hewlett-Packard, Major League Baseball, and the United States Navy. And he has a new book. It's called Burn Ladders, Build Bridges, Pursuing Work with Meaning and Purpose. Dr. Alan Patterson, welcome to Get Down to Business. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. It's an honor to have you. So I love to get to know the person behind the microphone, Alan. I know I mentioned your brief bio over there, but uh, tell me a little bit about how you got how you became so passionate about this this concept, and uh, actually, if you can start by defining what is a ladder burner, it sounds it sounds devious, and I think that's probably why it's it's caught on. Uh, several years ago, I, as someone was helping me with my uh, marketing online marketing, I've been a consultant in the area of leadership development for f- over forty years. And uh, the question was, well, who is the enemy, uh, the villain that you're trying to help your client slay? And I said, well, that's pretty easy. That's the corporate ladder. I've seen so many really bright, motivated people just be uh, completely flummoxed about what that is and how that's done and the disappointments and that they faced without really understanding how the ladder works and uh, why it doesn't work. So I said, well, I think it's a matter of burning the ladder, uh, getting that out of your mind, uh, convincing yourself that you are good enough uh, and use a different type of motivation, inspiration to succeed in your work. Absolutely. So important indeed. And, you know, I know that in your book, you talk frequently about this. We spend about a third of our lives on the job. That's pretty staggering. And uh, many people find their jobs pretty boring and stressful um, because the other third of their lives, if you actually look at it, is sleeping. Um, And that's assuming, as you say in the book, that job stress isn't the one that's keeping you up at night. What's that third piece? And why do you argue that that's the most important? Well, it, it's the a time that you spend relating with other people. And I'm saying this is what it's all about, uh, both from a personal and professional perspective. And uh, that time uh, needs to be cultivated, needs to be 
uh, appreciated. And I think that when you are at work uh, and you're talking about how relationships get built, uh, it's really no different than what you would do on a personal basis, or at least I claim that's the way it should be. Interesting. Very, very interesting indeed. And that's, uh, there's some good lessons over there. And certainly before we, uh, before we cut out, I know we're going to talk about some, uh, some homework assignments, some lessons that people can, uh, can take for themselves. But what do you see as the problems with climbing that corporate ladder that so many of our listeners are used to? Well, I think the obvious ones, unfortunately, are that uh, making it to the top is nearly impossible, especially uh, if you're not uh, an older white male with gray hair. And then one study uh, that Malcolm Gladwell cited, you had to be over six, too. So I can't make that that cut. The problem is that it's everything that current social issues are trying to address about inclusion and equity and fairness. Um, women and people of color look up at the ladder and they don't see many people like themselves. So those are the major roadblocks that are in there. But there's another one, too. I wouldn't say it's necessarily bigger, but it's prevalent. And that is at some point that as you climb up the ladder, you will hit a point where you will not be good enough. And I say that because of the way it narrows. uh, And I also say it uh, much like Lawrence Peters said it in 1968 when he (laughs) coined the Peter Principle. And the people rise to their level of incompetence. And it's like, well, what does that mean? That's because so many people are chosen for their technical competence when, in fact, once you start climbing the ladder, there's a certain point that the ability to manage uh, relationships and the emotional intelligence become more important than technical competence. Also getting into issues of politics, which are in every organization, and most people are not equipped. Okay, absolutely. Uh, completely agreed for sure. So ladder burning, I'm still blown away with that topic. Again, I'm chatting with the author of a new book, Burn Ladders, Build Bridges, Pursuing Work with Meaning and Purpose. Um, so, you know, we've been talking a lot about the great resignation. Where does ladder burning sort of fall into this trend that we've been seeing? Yeah, you know, it's funny uh, that I started this book in 2019 with nothing on the horizon about the pandemic. Uh, And I think it really is serendipitous. I think there's always been a concern for many people that how they move forward in their careers is limited by just how many positions are available as they move up. Uh, The great resignation, I think, speaks to, I think people are just worn out. And I think that the pandemic and the time associated with that uh, was on, if there was a good side, is that people are taking a breather and reexamining what, really matters. And that that's the whole concept behind ladder burning. It's we're about pursuing meaning and purpose. And it's not going to happen because you have a bigger house or make more money uh, or think that that's the road to happiness. 
Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Again, I'm chatting with Dr. Alan Patterson, organizational development consultant um, who continues to ignore standard coaching methods, opting to pursue and lead clients during a path towards uh, the path of meaningful careers that are not only successful, but also rewarding. I know Dr. Patterson has been doing this for over four decades and has this fantastic read, Burn Ladders, Build Bridges, Pursuing Work with Meaning and Purpose. We're going to send our listeners over to uh, Alan's website in just a little bit. So, you know, we've been chatting a little bit um, just before this about the great resignation, about ladder burning, and you've seen a lot of organizations, some pretty big names. What do you see as the key things that have been working around organizational success and culture building that you think are sort of the the exact uh, opposite trend of the great resignation when you see organizations that are actually attracting people and keeping uh, top performing talent? I'm so glad you asked me that question because out of all the culture initiatives that I've worked on through the year, I do have some examples of those that have worked. And it's very clear, what, in my mind, what that takes. It takes someone, a leader, uh, not necessarily the top person in the, the CEO of the organization, but a leader of an organization that firmly believes that developing talent is their job as it is the responsibility of the uh, executive or leadership team. And so they take this to heart. They build processes around it. They build standards around it. Uh, they teach their, I say the, the goal is to take managers and make them leaders and to take leaders and make them teachers and coaches. And so the organizations succeed not because they've got values plastered on the wall somewhere or good coffee or all kinds of amenities. It's because they teach their leadership how to coach their group uh, and understand what's critical and important to each person. They don't have to be psychologists. Um, You're in the military. You see who the good leaders are and how they progress. And it's an understanding of how good. And it's they're not even just intuitive. They really understand Mm -hmm. why those relationship building skills are so important. Fantastic. I've learned so much in this conversation, and uh, I know I could take away a lot of uh, action items from everything that we've talked about so far. Um, But perhaps the most important one is that people should pick up a copy of the book, Burn Ladders, Build Bridges, Pursuing Work with Meaning and Purpose, because that's what we all want. I've been chatting with Dr. Alan Patterson. And Alan, I want to make sure everybody can get in touch with you um, to schedule perhaps a consultation, but certainly get a copy of the book. Where can we contact you? Well, uh, you can go to DrAllenPatterson.com. That's D-R, Allen, A-L-A-N, Patterson, two T's. And also the website uh, where you could uh, link to Amazon is LadderBurners.com. Fantastic. Dr. Allen Patterson, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with our listeners. I look forward to bringing you back on real soon here on Get Down to Business. Thanks so much for joining us. We've got to squeeze in a quick break here on the show all about small business shops and entrepreneurship. Check out my website, ShalomKlein.com. We'll be right back, so don't touch that dial. And we're back on Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. So 
my next uh, topic is about how fear obstructs digital transformation in the workplace. And I'm excited because I'm joined by the subject matter expert. I'm joined by Steve Prentice, a specialist in organizational psychology, focusing on the junction where people and technology interact, which is a hugely important topic. Steve is a speaker, writer, journalist, and university lecturer who focuses on human acceptance of cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, blockchain, and the future of work. We've talked about all those topics in bits and pieces on Get Down to Business, but this conversation today from the author of The Future of Workplace, Fear, How Human Reflex Stands in the Way of Digital Transformation is incredibly important. Steve Francis, welcome to Get Down to Business. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Um, thrilled to have you. So I'd love to get to know the person behind the microphone. Steve, how did you become so passionate about this work and sort of develop your expertise, as we called it a moment ago, of this intersection between people and technology? It was a discovery, basically. I love technology. I started out just working uh, as a consultant with the technology when it was first new back in the days of the early Internet. Uh, but I just noticed wherever I was working, people were terrified. They were afraid of making mistakes. They were afraid of change. They were just simply afraid of these new things happening. And I wanted to know why. I wanted to know what this blockage was, because the technology is beautifully built, but people have fear. So that's where it started, was observing this and saying, what, what's the solution? How can I help? Interesting. Wow. Amazing. Fantastic. So digital transformation seems to sort of promise a great many changes um, to the workforce and to business. Some people say negative, some people say positive, but fear, fear is certainly a uh, common theme that I've been seeing as I've been having conversations in preparation for this conversation. Why do you think fear will be an impediment in this transformation? The most, most salient concern here is, is losing my job. Um, you know, if I am not competent in using this new technology, it might affect my job. And so I'm just saying this from the perspective of an employee. Uh, I, I cannot grasp how to learn these new things without losing face, uh, getting in trouble with my boss. So that's the point, is that you can bring in great new technologies, whether they're just great innovations or um, essential, such as cybersecurity, password management technology, which is vital for an organization to stay safe and to stay in business in these days of ransomware. Um, but when you turn to your employees and say, okay, everyone's got to learn how to use a new password management software program, most are not going to say, yeah, I'm cool with that, I understand. They're going to say, no, this is not what I know, it's not what I enjoy, I fear it. And if even one person resists doing that, it becomes the, the weak link in the chain and the company is in danger. But it comes down to, I don't want to look stupid, I don't want to lose my job or endanger my career, because I don't quite get how this technology works, and that becomes the beginning point of a whole bunch of problems for an organization. Indeed. Again, I'm chatting with Steve Prentice, the author of a new book, The, F the Future of Workplace Fear, How Human Reflex Stands in the Way of Digital Transformation. So what is the background to this book, and how did you actually lead up to determine that workplace fear would become the issue that we've been spending the past few minutes talking about? Just observing, honestly, it's just a matter of saying that, you know, uh, when a company brings in new technologies, even prior to COVID, they, we, we were starting to look at mobile technologies. People could work from somewhere else other than the workplace. Um, you could log in, as we all have done on uh, video chat, like Zoom and so forth. Um, but well, I, was, I was seeing people hesitant to, to do this, and I was wondering why, because there's so many benefits to any kind of technology. Um, I was brought in to help them deal with their fear. I mean, literally come in to counsel people on what is it that is the causing the resistance. And not in a punitive way, but simply to say, let's sit down and try this out. Let's work on this. 
Um, it's not just simply password stuff. Even something more simple, like using a, a word processing program like Microsoft Word, people are afraid of making mistakes. So the problem with, with traditional training and teaching is it's too much information too fast. So you can take a four-hour or six-hour course in Microsoft Word and remember nothing at the end of the day because we're not built to learn like that. So I'll come in to show people a few particular skills as part of overcoming their fear by just being hands-on. But that's the problem, is too much change too fast, people are going to instinctively resist and say, no, I can't do this. It's a very primordial, instinctive response. Mm -hmm. uh, Steve, can you give me some examples of how organizations can plan their digital transformation in a way that will avoid the problems brought about by workplace fear? Absolutely, because the problem with many organizations is they put the burden of learning and change on the employees, and I think that's very unfair. Um, organizations that seek to thrive need to recognize that people need to learn in a different way, and probably a very individual way. You may be a very tactile person, or you may be someone who likes to go away and read something, very different styles of learning. The unfortunate fact is that most organizations, um, through perhaps no fault of their own, simply say, go and learn this and come back and use it. No, we need organizations that can be much more humanistic in the way they teach people how to use stuff. If you want to teach people how to use password management software, again, a vital component of a company's safety, we need to establish some practice spaces where people can actually be allowed on company time to sit down and try this out and get comfortable with it for as long as it takes until they are. So I think that organizations need to take, take the reins here of saying the cost in time and money of getting our people up to speed and learning something new is part of the cost of operations of business. And recognize that the, the nature of fear and, and resistance is the innate natural response. And even managers and bosses are going to do this when they see something that, that threatens their, their stability and their progress. So organizations need to take responsibility for getting their people up to speed, actually. For sure, absolutely. Again, I'm chatting with Steve Prentiss, a specialist in organizational psychology, focusing on that junction where people and technology interact. And he helps people and organizations understand each other, the technologies they use, and the changes that they present. And he talks about in the book, The Future of Workplace Fear, how human reflex stands in the way of digital transformation. I know it just came out a few months ago. And uh, it really talks a lot about fear, which is interesting, but cer certainly digital transformation affecting that fear. So, you know, a lot of what we talk about here in Get Down to Business is about uh, actual uh, takeaways, actual things. So what do you see, Steve, as the greatest positive outcome that people can gain from reading your book? Quite simply that fear can be neutralized and conquered through knowledge. It's just as simple as that one word, knowledge. Whatever you fear in life, whether it's personal or career-based, there is a fact or a process that will take care of this for you. But we tend to hide away. Fear is an emotion and makes us run away from things. Uh, and we, we tend to not get to that second half, which is to learn what do we need to do. So whatever you fear in life, find out what you need to know to conquer that. If you as an employee are afraid of losing your job because you're afraid of looking stupid because of new technology, find out how you can learn to use the technology. If you're a boss who is afraid of employees working from home because you don't think you can trust them or you don't think that this is going to be workable, the work-from-home hybrid workplace, find out how it does work for the companies that have succeeded with this. So the one-word takeaway is knowledge. Learn what you need to know to neutralize this acidic substance called fear. Absolutely. So now that we've sort of learned that piece, 
what are some of the best ways uh, that our listeners, that people that may have been hearing about this digital transformation and how I've already taken away from this conversation that this is definitely, this is real. This is something that's real, but certainly it's a lot of positives over here, which is great. How can people cope with that type of workplace fear that you've been describing this conversation? You have a world of knowledge at your fingertips, literally on your computer and your phone. So go to uh, look, look around and see what other people are doing. What other organizations, what are they doing in terms of using this technology? Or if you're afraid of your job, and the technology aside, if you're afraid just simply of losing your job, look around and see just how possible it is to switch to something else. Um, there's never been a better time in, in history to be career self-affirmed to know you have control of your career, even if it means changing jobs. Um, that sounds like a big, huge statement, but you have the ability to look around online, on Twitter and on LinkedIn, and just on YouTube even, and just see what else is out there. See what other companies are doing to succeed with digital transformation. Yeah, you're going to read some horror stories because people put those things up as well, but you'll also see the good stuff. So you can know, K-N-O-W, what you need to know to go forward and neutralize that fear. Well, that's great. And definitely knowledge is going to be key over here. And uh, you can learn a lot about this digital transformation that's coming. But most importantly, learn and understand and, and not be not be scared of it, but actually learn how to embrace it. And certainly there's uh, that's that's what we need to do as we move into, believe it or not, this final quarter of 2022. Um, we need to start to look at the future and plan our businesses and also plan our, our professional lives and uh, make sure we're adapting um, and not being scared of that transformation, that innovation, which I know, Steve, I know you talk a lot about. So, Steve, one of the most important takeaways that we can have is picking up a copy of the book <laughs> and getting in touch with you. One more time, can you share that website as well as the name of your book and where people can find it? Yeah, The Future of Workplace Fear, uh, how uh, Reflex stands in the way of digital transformation is available online everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and uh, you know, hopefully also your local bookstore, which is even better. But you can find out more, just go to the website, steveprentice.com, and Prentice is spelled P-R-E-N-T-I-C-E, like ice, steveprentice.com. Everything's there, including, of course, the contact form. I'm always, always happy to talk to people and uh, just share information as best I can. Well, you certainly have done that, Steve. Again, we've been checking with Steve Francis. The book is called The Future Workplace Fear, How Human Reflex Stands in the Way of Digital Transformation. And I certainly enjoyed our conversation. We're going to have to squeeze in headlines a quick break, but be sure to get in touch with our good friend Tom Urbali for all of your health insurance, Affordable Care Act questions. His phone number is 630-863-3477 and website healthplanchicago.com. More get down to business when we return in just a moment. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. I'm thrilled to be joined by Clay Ogden um, of the SRA 831B admin team. And he is, uh, I know his colleagues refer to him as the ace of the SRA team, which we'll talk all about. He is the National Business Development Manager. Um, and he does it all as he interacts with business owners and advisors to identify risk management strategies. Clay Ogden, welcome to the program. Thank you. Absolutely. So, Clay, let's get started with talking about what SRA is and what you and your team love to do each and every day in helping your clients. We are a 831B administrator. What that is is basically uh, anyone who's familiar with captive insurance or 831B reinsurance companies. That's what we do. We work with business owners. We help them set up their own 831B reinsurance company or captive and uh, help them insure 
uncommon, unforeseen, uninsurable risks. Okay. Well, definitely, uh, I know that that is a common theme because a lot of things are unforeseen until uh, until it jumps out at you. And I know that you help your clients um, look at all of this. So, uh, you know, the the most important example that I have is something that we've all experienced over these past few years, and that is COVID. COVID, COVID, COVID. So how have the 831B plans helped businesses, many that might be tuning in to this program during the pandemic? Uh, there's actually been a lot of clients that have been able to file claims and pull money back into their business that they've set aside for things like business interruptions, supply chain interruptions, loss of a key employee due to an accident or illness, lawsuits brought against the business, all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, things that we typically see but have been much more prevalent due to COVID. Interesting. Okay. Um, very, very interesting. And that's great news for those that planned ahead. Um, but definitely, again, you need to look ahead for sure. So leads me to my next question. I mean, for so many of the small business owners and entrepreneurs that are tuning in or any business owners at all, who is a good candidate for an 831B plan? Really, any any business that has excess cash flow, that has the ability to take and set aside dollars for a period, you know, for a 12-month period of time, Anyone who's really able to kind of in that 1 million to 50 million gross revenue business segment that's able to take 100,000 or more out of their business, excess revenues, excess profits, set it aside to now ensure these types of risks uh, and regard, regardless of size of gross revenues, the client does need to have that excess cash. Okay, absolutely. That's uh, super duper important. So. Your personal story, again, I know uh, I shared a moment ago that I'm chatting with Clay Ogden um, from the SRA team, um, and he is the National Business Development Manager. How did you become so passionate about this and get started in this industry? Uh, I actually had a a little bit of a different career path for a while. I was actually playing professional golf right out of college and uh, got into the financial services insurance world when I stopped playing. And uh, it was something that I knew about and was familiar with and really, honestly, just I loved it. I loved the conversation. I knew a lot of business owners. I knew a lot of CEOs and CFOs. And so it was a, a really good opportunity to take our program, introduce it to them, to help them manage risks more efficiently and, and become more tax efficient. And there's not a, many business owners out there that don't love both of those. So. That's awesome. Sounds like you're in the job of your dreams and uh, yeah, certainly very interesting background, which is pretty cool. Former professional golfer on the on the national uh, on the national tour, and I know you spend a lot of your time. I know twelve plus years in risk mitigation to identify opportunities and consult with clients and representatives. So, what risks do businesses have that an eight thirty one B plan can help with? Again, we've talked about COVID, we've talked about some other scenarios, um, but let's let's give uh, some folks something to think about and look at uh, in the uh, in the months ahead before the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, things like brand and reputation damages or lawsuits being brought against the business. A lot of what we've seen over the last few years has been political risk. You know, we've got political bodies making decisions that are ultimately impacting a business and they have no financial or no say in the matter. Uh, You know, whether anybody wants to admit it, that is a real risk that they are technically self-insuring right now. Uh, Lots of cybersecurity issues. We have endorsements for ransomware, phishing, malware, 
Um, start to look at things like third-party business interruption, someone who's using a third-party business or a software or something like that to help run their business. Uh, and then things like audits. You know, audits come up, whether it's a work comp audit or just a general business audit, doesn't matter. Uh, but those are, again, things that the business owner is paying for with after-tax money out of cash flow. And if there's a way to more efficiently manage those risks, that's what we're here for. Cool. Fantastic. Well, we're running out of time. Uh, again, Clay Ogden, really appreciate you educating um, us on a topic that we honestly haven't talked too much about here on the program. And I know that there's a lot of things that people want to talk to an advisor and uh, and have conversations to learn more. Um, but can you give us your contact information so we could get in touch and have further conversations? Absolutely. Our website is uh, an amazing resource. It's 831b.com. Uh, and then obviously you can reach out to me and my, uh, my team and we will be more than happy to discuss if this is something that works for you. Fantastic. Uh, Clay Ogden, really appreciate your expertise in this. Looking forward to having you back on real soon. You've got to squeeze in a quick break here on Get Down to Business. You can always subscribe, rate, review, and share Get Down to Business on your favorite podcast app. Uh, make sure you do that. That way you won't miss a single show. We'll be right back. Don't touch that dial. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business, jobs, and entrepreneurship. I've been honestly super duper excited for this conversation because I am joined by Angelica Ford from Fueled by AF Snacks. And we are going to talk all about this amazing, amazing company. And, uh, and Angelica, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So I am super passionate about your mission. Um, of course, you've got some amazing, healthy alternative snacks, um, but you really do have a mission. And anytime there's an, a company, an organization that has a true mission about creating community, workplace, and like I said, healthy snacks, man, that is what it's all about. Angelica, it's so great to have you. Let's start by learning a little bit about your background and how you came to becoming a business owner and getting this amazing, amazing brand started. Thank you. So it's all kind of started back in college. I went to SUNY Cortland and I was a swimmer there. We had an adaptive swimming program and I fell in love with it and I really, really enjoyed it. And after graduating, I realized there wasn't much in Chicago for adaptive athletes or programs. So I opened my first company about four months after graduating college, Ability Fitness. And we go to each person's home and we can either build a gym for them or bring trainers and help create a healthy work lifestyle workout program. So that was developing. COVID hit, everyone was home, so it was a great thing for us. And it kept growing and it became very apparent to me very quickly that many adults with intellectual or physical disabilities could not find a job. And while everyone was kind of complaining about being home, I don't think a lot of people realized that this was their life almost every single day outside of the pandemic. So uh, that's when Field was born. My you know, healthy looking for fun with my friends we, uh, got branded. And then we started 
employing our clientele and one thing led to another and now you have fueled by AF snacks that's awesome fantastic and uh, as somebody that's uh, both uh, myself and my spouse spent uh, considerable time uh, working in the uh, disabilities or shall i say the abilities um, field in the nonprofit space. Uh, congratulations and thank you for all of your amazing work, which is awesome. So, Fueled by F, I mean, it's it's amazing. And again, I, I know you're employing the uh, disabled, which is incredible. And your website, which we're going to uh, spell out a couple of times um, for our listeners so we can send people over to the uh, over to your products, is fueledbyafsnacks.com, fueledbyafsnacks.com. And um, we're going to talk about all of the products Products, um, shortly. So how long has it been since you've gotten started and what are your plans for the upcoming years? Oh, so we started, uh, filed all our paperwork 2020. By the time we finished all of our R&D and packaging, we officially opened in June 2021, um, which was very, very exciting. We got everyone in the kitchen, we got going. And we started growing the brand and the company and that huge supply chain shortage kind of hit us hard and we couldn't get any more peanut butter. So um, it was, we had a choice. We either paused production completely until we could find peanut butter that fit our quality standards, which is just roasted nuts or salt. We don't like adding anything else. Or we figured out how to make it ourselves. So that we started making our own nut butter to help support the protein bites, and that opened a whole new product line, which launched in May and was successful this summer at the farmers markets. It's growing online. We are selling smoothie shops. We have ice cream companies using it in their treats. Um, so as our product line continues to grow, we're coming to find and realize that. A lot of what we use in our basic ingredients for can be expanded into their own line of products. So coming out next and what people can look for is we have some new protein bites and we have uh, protein powders. We're working on a mini grab-and-go packets for our nut butters. Uh, that's been a huge quest and a huge hit for people who like to run on the go. And we're growing from there. So we're using pretty much all of our basic ingredients and a little That's awesome. Again, I'm chatting with Angelica Ford, uh, the founder of Fueled by F Snacks, uh, a Chicagoland-based company um, that's uh, it's a health and fitness company that provides ex- uh, accessible, quality, healthy snacks and facilities for all regardless of ability. And I know that we're going to be seeing a lot of these products uh, taken over the world by storm, not only because of the amazing, amazing, healthy alternative snacks, but also because of the mission and who they are employing. And the website, uh, again, is fueledbyfsnacks.com, which has a lot of great offers, a lot of great uh, promotions. Um, But I don't want to steal the thunder because we're going to talk more about that in just a moment. Um, But definitely, uh, I mean, your employment side of things is huge. So can you tell us just one story about uh, a member of your team that you're, that you're proud of? Oh, so I have a few people in mind. I think as a general gist, you know, a lot of people come in, they're worried, they're scared. And typically by the third week, we see a lot of growth and development. I'm thinking of one woman in, uh, in per, like right off the top of my head. Her parents were like, I don't know if this is really going to be for her. I was like, you know, just send her, we'll try it out. She is our top sales girl. She flourishes, she never misses work. 
Um, actually, I could probably leave our farmer's market stand and she got it on her own. She sells pieces of our products. And this was something that we didn't really know if she was going to love. And her parents came back and told me it's built her a ton of confidence. She like talks about it all the time. And now she actually came to me and said she would like to start her own and do something on her own like so I think that was a huge, huge growth uh, event for her. Amazing. Again, I'm chatting with Angelica Ford from Fueled by F Snacks. We've got to squeeze in a very, very quick break. But when we return, we're going to talk more about their amazing product line and where you can find it. Uh, don't touch that dial. You're listening to Get Down to Business, and we will be right back. To get down to business, a show all about small business, jobs, and entrepreneurship. I'm chatting with Angelica Ford from Fueled by F Snacks. Um, first, I want to remind our listeners to get in touch with our good friend Tom Mirabali, independent agent uh, for all of your health insurance needs. His phone number is 630 863 3477, 6303 3477, or his website, healthplanchicago.com. So, Angelica, um, loving our conversation so far, and I know so many of our listeners, no doubt, are excited, nodding their heads vigorously about your incredible, incredible mission of creating community, workplace, and healthy alternative snacks for all, inclusive of disabilities. And you just bring so much positivity to positivity, which is awesome, but also an amazing product line. So let's talk a little bit more about that. What can people uh, expect from Fueled by F Snacks? What are the snacks and where can people find them? Great questions. So Fueled by F Snacks was started to help uh, create a clean, healthy treat and while many people think vegan, gluten-free, and what we have on our packaging is to help fit into marketing schemes or large markets, um, it's actually not true. What we did and what I did when I was forming is I was trying to create a treat that those with intellectual or physical disabilities would enjoy to eat to increase and optimize their brain functioning to allow their daily life to go more fluidly. So a lot of food in the markets are very highly processed, a ton of sugars, fillers, and a lot of the diet culture has had a lot of chemicals to our food. And it's really not for anyone, but especially those with intellectual or physical disability, it causes them to function at a lower level. So right. when I was eating our protein bites, I found like cleanest protein powder on the market at the time. And I just started with, you know, gluten-free oats, and I cleaned nut butters, and I thought, where is the most basic raw materials I can make a treat that everyone would like? So that's how I started formulating treats, and as I had mentioned, the nut butter situation. So when we started creating our own, it was very important for me to find just dry roasted nuts, and we would work from there. Um, clients or customers are looking at our products. I want them to realize that it's more than just a vegan, gluten, dairy-free. You know, it's more for optimizing your health and your functional daily life. Wow. Amazing. Uh, I'm just excited, uh, even though I'm many miles away. I'm excited to, uh, to get these products, all of these delicious, delicious, uh, healthy snacks. Um, good for your body. Great for fueling, um, which is, again, the name of the product fueled by F 
snacks. Um, so, Angelica, I know everybody's going to want these products right away. And whether they're local in Chicago or they're around the country, I know that there's some great options um, for them to pick it up. How can we get in touch with you and your team? And perhaps most importantly, get these products that are supporting an incredible mission of uh, with these products being made with love as you employ the disabled. So the best way to get in touch with us is if you go on our website, we have emails everywhere, but we also have a live chat box and you can drop in and send us a message on there and it buzzes my phone and I'm typically the first one to see it. You can also go to our social media pages on Facebook or on Instagram, but if you would like to get in touch with us, if if you're a shop owner, a grocery store, and you're interested in having our products seen before, email us at fueledbyaf at gmail.com. It comes right to me, right to my phone, um, computer, it's everywhere. And that's a really great way to get a hold of us. But if you want to drop in a little note or a comment, or you're interested in having your loved one work for us, that would work as well. And you can also put it on our chat on our website. Well, Angelica, you're an inspiration. Appreciate all that you are doing. Um, your amazing snacks, your incredible mission. Um, again, uh, Fueled by AF is the health and fitness company that's providing accessible, quality, healthy snacks and facilities for all, regardless of ability. Angelica Ford, I look forward to bringing you back on the program real soon. But that's a wrap for us here on the show, all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Um, you can get on my website, shalomkline.com, or you can subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast on your favorite podcast app. To success, let's get down to business. We'll talk to you next Sunday at 6 p.m. right here on AM560, The Answer. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.